I think it's good for us to be in remembrance of that prophecy. It would have been um, uh, one that, um, not the one that was given, uh, it was the one, yes, thank you. <laughs> the one, let me see. Daniel gave one, and we put that to music, remember? And then I'll tell you what the Lord has told me. A few people have shared that with, but um, there's a shift happening. This is the word that was given on 1031, and this would have been given by um, Nathan, I believe. Yes, shift happening in this church. The Lord is going to arrange some things. He's going to set an order that hasn't been here before, and I, I believe that that is happening. You don't see it, but I do. <laughs> I do, because he's been dealing with me on it, setting the order in the church. The order in the church is making sure um, everybody knows their job and their position and what they're supposed to be doing. And so we are um, uh, getting that in better shape. Um, I, and I apologize for the music again. I sat with Richard. We talked yesterday and had it all set up. And for some reason, I don't know if it's the computer, it would not kick up here. So um, we're going to get it fixed. Amen. <laughs> okay, so... The Lord is going to arrange some things. He's going to set an order that hasn't been here before. Not that Pastor Roberta has been out of order, but an order with people in roles and is going to go deep into a solid, solidified foundation. Um, that is going to help this place step deeper and deeper into what the Lord has for it to do. And that's exactly what we need to be doing. People need to be moving into positions that they're supposed to be doing. That way, when, when we are all gelled together and or everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, then the church is functioning properly, and that gives me an opportunity to spread us out a little bit more. You know what I mean? I can't develop some areas because I'm so um, involved in doing certain things over and over and over every Sunday. So if we get people stepping up to positions then I can spread out and do a lot of other things that are on my heart to do that God has placed on my heart that this church is supposed to be doing. Okay, this is going to help this place step deeper and deeper into what the Lord has for it to do. See how that works? Because this place is a beacon of light that goes, ping, shoots straight up, and I see a triangle in the spirit that goes like this. Spreads arms. He spread his arms out to make a triangle. And uh, you are talking geographically geographically, that light is going to go up and cover a triangle and cover Iowa. Whatever cities that connects to, I'm not sure he was in this prophecy or this word that he was given, but there absolutely will be fruit of discipleship from that, fruit of discipleship. It is a twofold thing. It's not going to just be Pastor Roberta saying, hey, I really feel like you should do this. There is a solidifying that is coming from the Spirit where the person that is supposed to step into something is going to know it. And Pastor Roberta is going to know it, and the Lord is going to place those those things in motion, and it's going to help the will of God here to move forward. So I have had someone step forward this week to to do that, to to offer their availability to do things, and it, it's taken a burden off of me. And so there'll be more of that, I believe, that will be happening. But this is not just her responsibility. Many of you know it is hitting your heart right now. And many of you faithful in here right now, is it's hitting your heart. And you are saying, that is me. I know that is me. The Lord has already been prepping me for this. And listen to your steps. 
of obedience. Everyone say obedience. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is really interesting. I had not, I had prompt, been prompted to read this this morning, but I had not read it. But it, it just lines up with the word that's coming this morning. And um, this is not 10 years down the road. Uh, your steps of obedience you're going to take tomorrow. This is not 10 years down the road. Those steps you're going to apply are going to cause that solidifying in the spirit where you are going to be able to step into these things and be fruitful. But make sure you are complying with the Holy Spirit because what can happen, what can happen is you can say no and the Lord will have to look for another when it was supposed to be you. Everybody understand that? Everybody understand that? If there's an area you were supposed to step up to and you don't, and then the Lord will have to look for somebody else to fill that position at this point in time. And there's another area that's been on my heart, and I, I thought I had it set to go for us, and uh, the, the person stepped out of the position. And um, so um, I'm still weighing whether it's supposed to be me pick that up or not. Anyway, okay, let's see. Um, Men, you don't want to miss that because there is fruit in your life, in the church's life, and in the kingdom. The Lord is going to cause growth here. There is a growth coming here that hasn't been seen yet. And I don't know what you guys are thinking about building and saying this is the spirit, whether that is expanding this or getting a new one. There's going to be growth, but you cannot pack the people that are coming into this place. And I have been pursuing that, just so you know. That's been being pursued I finally got a call back from the Morton people. Um, they haven't set a time to come, uh, but there's been things that are being pursued. And to look around, you would say, what do we need to build for? <laughs> to look around, you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> do you know Dick and I bought this building with just two people? Okay. I'm saying this in the spirit, whether that is expanding this or getting a new one, there is going to be growth, but you cannot pack the people that are going to come into this place. And there is a solidifying in the spirit that is happening where these things are not far off. They are right around the corner. So be very sensitive, be very open, be very open. Lord, uh, where is my place? What do you want me to do? Because usually the core group that has been around very long time are the ones of course, the Lord is going to send more laborers, more laborers, people that haven't been here yet. They're going to plug in and help this thing. Let's get ready for these changes, discipleship, fruit. There is so much the Lord has given Pastor Robert in her spirit that is going to come out, and it is not going to happen with her by herself. It is time to step up, time to man up, and time to woman up. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm not going to read the other one. That one was the, the one I wanted. I think the other one did mention, too, about um, people filling the place. So so with that being said, I think we'll probably do communion at last. I want to stay right with what we're, we're talking about here in the Word today. And um, also, um, the guys will be back, both of them will be back the first week in March, March um, I think it's the third through the sixth, and so they will they will be here for they'll be here in this building. At that point in time, we'll see where things go after that. Okay, Second um, Kings, please turn to Second Kings three sixteen, and um, and this is uh, this was um, 
I think it's really interesting that, you know, I like I said, I hadn't read over that lately. Um, second Kings. I had the other night, it was almost a week ago now, I was interceding with someone else. And um, it was towards the end, of course, I, I always pray for the youth, pray for the church. Um, I, we might have been praying for the building, what God's wanting to do here. Oh, yeah, go ahead and go downstairs. <laughs> and um, and so so there was, uh, um, I was just interceding for the, for the church, the church, like, you know, I do keep that before, before the Lord. And I was interceding, and I heard three words, three words, and I knew it was the Lord, but it didn't make sense to me. I mean, as I've studied it out through the week, more and more of it does. And as I read that word, more and more of it does. But what he said, what he told me was go dig ditches. Go dig ditches. I'm going, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, Lord? <laughs> I, I didn't know. I mean, is there, but he knew, I knew it was his, I knew it was him. Because I've heard that before. I'm not ditches before, but I've heard his voice before that way. And so I thought, Go dig ditches, but he knew enough to know that I would go study it out and research it. So I went to the Word, and sure enough, Elijah told him to go dig ditches. And so, anyway, that's what we're going to look at today. And um, I just want to encourage you in this, that it, it, it is just so good to see what God is doing and that he is on our side. You know that? He is on our side, and he's for us. So if he's telling me to go dig a ditch, then he's telling you to go dig a ditch. Amen? And so um, my my first thought was intercession, and I go, oh, Lord, aren't we done with intercession yet? You know, because there's been so much intercession that's been done on this area. But you guys are the fruit of that intercession. Like I said, we started this church. We only had two people when we bought this building. But the vision was so strong, and the reality of it, and what God had placed on our heart to do didn't matter if there was just two people. We we were going to start what God told us to do, and you'll see that here as we look at this at this word. Um, okay, so second, I'm going to start right with verse one. Now Joram, the son of Ahab. Now do you remember who Ahab was? He was the one that Elijah defeated um, in the and in there Elijah did build a trench. He built a trench, and they poured the water in the trench so that you know he could he could defeat the the Baal worshippers. And remember, he slaughtered the bull and laid it on the thing. He cut it up and they poured water. He put water over and over and over again in the trench. But then he had to call fire down. And so the Baal worshippers were trying to call fire down. Finally, they worked all day and they were cutting themselves to try to get that fire to come down to burn up and to prove that their God is God because everybody in the country was worshiping the Baal gods. So Elijah had stopped the rain. Then he confronted and he said, I'm, I'm going to, let's have a test. Let's do this. I'm going to prove to you that God is God and he is, he is the Lord. So he met up with Ahab and they agreed to that. And then they did their thing all day long trying to get to happen. They started cutting themselves even to try to get it to happen. And they were hollering and calling it down, and nothing happened. And, and Elijah was making fun of them. And then 
So then Elijah said, he says, I'm going to dig this trench around and it's pour water. Go get more water. Go get more water. Go get more water. Finally, he, he prayed and called it down and the whole thing lit up and burned and burned the, sacri the sacrifice. And so that was at the time that he, um, uh, Elijah then had to pray the rain back in. Do you remember that story? Do you guys remember where he prayed the rain back in? And he could, he went up to the top of um, oh, Mount something. Can anybody remember that? Uh, anyway, he went up there and he, he bent down and he prayed and he sent his servant to go look. Do you see any rain clouds? No. He sent him seven times. You know, I've taught this before, but how many of you would have stopped after the first time? After the servant come back and said, I don't see any rain clouds. But see, Elijah had heard in the spirit realm the abundance of rain. See, we as believers, born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, living out of our spirit man all the time, we should hear out of the spirit realm, we should see out of the spirit realm. Is that an amen? <laughs> that should be an amen. Amen. That's where we're supposed to be going. We're supposed to live out of that realm, out of the spirit realm. Because, see, he said he's going to show you things to come. Well, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. But if you're living in your flesh, how are you going to know those things? Huh? How are you going to have the gifts of the spirit functioning in your life if you're living in the flesh instead of the spirit? Right? Your spirit man has to be in a dominant position. Okay, this is not my notes. But anyway, Elijah's really good. I, I've just been blessed by him ever since I saw the way he prayed and prayed that rain back in. Seven times he prayed, sent his servant. Finally, the last time, the cloud was as big as his hand. Well, that's all he needed. He had it come coming into the natural realm. He prayed it from the spirit realm into the natural realm. And then there was the rain just gushed and poured everywhere. But, but so... Back then, to back to what we're talking about here, Jerome was the son of Ahab. Now he put away the Baal gods. You'll see that here, the Baal idols. But he still was doing wrong. But anyway, let's look at that. Now Jerome, verse one of chapter three in Second Kings, son of Ahab became king over Israel at Samaria in the eighteenth year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned twelve years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and his mother, which was Ahab and Jezebel, okay? For he put away the sacred pillar of Baal, which his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, Jer Jeroboam the son of Nebat, which he made Israel's sin. He did not depart from them. He was still worshiping idols. And, and I did some research on that, and that's how I can say that. Now, Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder and used to pay the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it came about when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled. He said, I'm not doing that anymore. He rebelled against the king of Israel. And king, and king Jerom, verse 6, went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, 
my horses as your horses. And he said, which way shall we go up? And he answered, the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they made a circuit of seven days journey, and there was no water for the army or for the cattle that followed them. So basically they were in a, a desert area and there was no water. There was no water. Seven days in the desert. And I think they were following a riverbed, but they were seven days. I don't know. I'm sure they were looking for water. But uh, seven days. And, you know, it can be hot in the desert, up in the hundreds. Then the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. Okay, he did not know what he was talking about. You see that? <laughs> you see that? The king of Israel said, Alas, he's lying. The Lord never told him to go to war. Anyway, he was lying there. Verse 11, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord? See, Jehoshaphat was more right with the Lord than these other two. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, Elijah, the son of Japheth, is here who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to Elijah, to see Elijah, okay? So so they, they could have made a, a choice to not go see Elijah, but they were seeking the Lord in the midst of everything that was going on. You see that? They were seeking the Lord. And so um, so then it goes on to see... Um, Verse 13, now Elijah said to the king of Israel, what do I have to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. He, he didn't want anything to do with the two that were in sin. I, I, I don't know you and I don't want anything to do with you. That's what he said. And the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. Again, he was lying. He was telling him that the Lord had brought us, us into basically being slaughtered by Moab. Verse 14, and Elijah said, as the, as the Lord of hosts, as the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. It was because of Jehoshaphat's presence with the Lord, or his right standing, that Elijah did accept. He wanted to see them. So verse 15, but now bring me a minstrel. We talked about this not too long back. A minstrel, remember we talked about how important the minstrel's role is in the service? How, how it's important? The minstrel is, is, is in a place of being able to worship and, and actually get the hand of the Lord upon Elijah. Get the hand of the Lord in the service. And so uh, let's look at that again. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came about when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. There are, th there are certain songs or things that happen that will just move me. And remember, I shared that with you before, how, how uh, a, a song, I will ask, a, um, usually Kim, but I'll ask him to play a certain song because it moves me on the inside. It increases anointing. It makes anointing bigger in, in, the, in the room. And that's what we're after. We're after an anointing and manifestation because if the anointing's in manifestation on the, on the leadership, the presence of the Lord is here and God's wanting to meet the needs. Remember we talked about how the Holy Spirit, 
will come in. That's not the only way, but he'll come in and hover. He'll come in, and I'll see that, and then I minister to people. So we want the presence of the Lord in our services, and that's what Elijah needed because he was he was out here. I don't want to help you guys, but I'll help Jehoshaphat, so you're going to have to bring me a minstrel so I can get into the presence of the Lord. Do you understand how that works? Okay, so... And it came about when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of trenches. King James says, go dig ditches. Go dig ditches. <laughs> that was kind of, I, you know, my, my response. I knew, I knew the Lord's asking for more prayer, more intercession. And things that, things that I am already doing, you know, to try to get things moving here. But more prayer, more intercession. But the thing, the thing is, um, can you imagine they've been traveling seven days, no water. The animals hadn't had any water, and it was so hot and sweaty. And here, here, um, the man of God says, "Go dig trenches for me. Go, not for me, but go dig trenches." When your flesh want to scream and holler and carry on, I'm not digging trenches. I can hardly stand up. You know, when they're in heat exhaustion, you know, you vomit. You, there's all kinds of things you can hardly stand up. But he says, go dig trenches. You need to make preparation for what God's getting ready to do. That's what we're going to do. We're, gonna, we're making pe- preparation. Whether God calls you to do a job in the church, whether God calls you to pray and intercede, whether God, whatever God calls you to do, we need to make preparation for that. We need to be obedient to do that. And then see what happens here. Okay, he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of trenches. Thus, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink both you and your cattle and your beasts. Verse 18. And this is but a slight thing in the, in the sight of the Lord. He shall also give the Moabites into your hand. So not only they were going to be obedient to, to dig the trenches or the ditches, they were going to be obedient to that, but, Eli, uh, but the Moabites were going to be given into their hand. Amen? Amen. Then you shall strike every fortified city and every choice city and fell every good tree and stop up all springs of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. And it happened in the morning about the time of offering the sacrifice that behold, the water came by the way of Edom and the country was filled with water. Now all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them. And all who were able to put an, on armor and older were summoned and stood on the border. Verse 22. And they rose early in the morning, and the sun shone on the water, and the Moabites saw the water opposite them as red as blood. So can you, you get a picture of this? They were looking across those, those ditches that were filled with water, and they looked like blood. Edom, that word Edom there means red. Edom means red. The rain didn't rain there, but it came downstream from Edom. So that's one reason why they thought they saw blood, okay? Anyway, they rose early in the morning, and the sun shone on the water, and the Moabites saw the water opposite them as red as blood. They said, this is blood. The kings have surely fought together, and they have slain one another. Now, therefore, Moab, to the spoil. 
Didn't you just hear him say, hey, this is ours. We're going to go get that spoil. But look what happened. But when, verse 24, but when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites arose and struck the Moabites so that they fled before them and they went forward into the land slaughtering the Moabites. Thus they destroyed the cities and each one threw a stone on every piece of good land and filled it. So they stopped all the springs of water and felled all the good trees until in Ker Harisseth only they left its stones. However, the slingers went about it and struck it. When the king of Moab, Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they couldn't even break through to the king of Edom. Then he took his oldest son, who was to reign in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. And there came great wrath against Israel, and they departed from him and returned to their own land. But anyway, um, I just think it's a, a, a word for us right now to, to go dig the ditches, to go, go dig ditches. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Well, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, just get before the Lord and ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Everybody has a calling in this room. Everybody has a position and a place in the body of Christ that they have to fulfill. They have, or they, I should say, they get to fulfill. Amen? Amen. It's exciting. that, Like Dennis was saying, the times we're in are exciting. Now, do you see how that kind of goes along with the word that, that I just read? And I wasn't trying to do that. I just was wanting to encourage you all in that. Um, uh, just to go back over uh, a little bit, uh, Joam was quick to blame God for his for the, the problem. He, he wasn't wanting to take the blame himself. We got ourselves in a pickle now. Joam. Joram got himself in pickle. All three of those kings were in a tough spot. But they went to Elijah and got, got themselves a, a not only free from it, but they also were able to um, take care of the Moabites. Okay? Um, if they hadn't have done dug the ditches, like the... the Elijah told him to do if they hadn't dug the ditches, the water would have come and gone. It wouldn't have dropped into those ditches. It would have just run down the bed. So our job is to prepare ourselves for what God is bringing our direction. We need to prepare ourselves for that. And that's not just, that's everybody. It's everybody needs to prepare for what God's bringing our direction. So it doesn't just run right past us. We need to be attuned to it. You get attuned to that by spending time praying in the Spirit, becoming that dominant spirit person that you are. You need to be attuned to that. Um, let's look at Hebrews 11.6. Everything they did, they made um, a choice. They made a choice to do, to dig the, the, to dig the ditches. They had to make a choice to do that. So we, we have the opportunity to make a choice. There's so many places in the Word of God that where the paralyzed man was paralyzed and, and he was told to pick up his bed and walk. He had an action with what he was told to do. Remember when Peter, when Peter was told to uh, come, walk on the water, his action was to come. Jesus had already told him that was going to happen. You come. You know the guy that... Um, um, 
he was the uh, blind the blind guy, and Jesus spit and made the uh, put the clay on his face, and he said, "Go wash in the in, in in the pool." And he had an action to have to do that. He had to do that. So faith has an action. It doesn't just have you being told what to do, and then you sit there and wait for it to happen, right? Right? You have to do something with it. You have to do see. Dick and I could have just waited for God to bring a bunch of people to our door. Oh, yeah, I guess we'll start a church. No, we went ahead and did what we knew to do. We spent time praying and ministering to people, seeing people healed. I mean, we've seen people healed for years, years and years, and people set free. So we went ahead. We, we did what we knew to do. And I'm still doing what we know to do. My heart, I have a big vision in my heart of what God wants here. So I, I dig the ditches, and that needs to come to pass. Amen? So I put the work in, and I dig the ditches. Just like all of you will have to dig the ditches. You can dig ditches to bring finances in, whatever you need, whatever God's instructing you to do. Amen? Um, Hebrews, what did I say, 11.6? And that's with, it's basically, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So if you're if you're if you're doing what God's told you to do, you're going to be seeking Him to bring about, and He's going to reward that. You see? Um, okay. And I shared with you. There's probably other places where people have stepped out in faith to do what God's called them to do, or to do what God told them to do. And when they stepped out to do that with the action, God loves that. He loves that. He's a rewarder of it. Amen. Okay, another good example of that is Naaman. Uh, you remember him? He had the leprosy. <laughs> he, had the, he had the leprosy all over his body. And so his little servant girl said, well, I know of Eli- Elijah. Again, Elijah, you go see him and I, he, you'll get healed. So she, he went and he didn't, Elijah didn't even come to the door to talk to him. He uh, told his servant, tell him to go dip or wash in Jordan seven times. Remember, he got all upset because Elijah Elijah couldn't even come to the door and talk to him. And so he was off. This is a bunch of malarkey. I'm not going to do that. They talked him into going and dipping in the Jordan River seven times. Seven times. And he was healed. He came out with, on the seventh time, he came out with the baby skin. But it was an action that he did to what God had told him to do. Amen? Okay, so um, faith, I was just telling you I have that big vision, the big vision. I mean, I could I could tell you everything that I, I know. I've told you bits and pieces here and there, things that I see going on or what God wants to do here. But you have to start somewhere. You have to start. It doesn't matter. It can be, it, it can be small, and it probably will be small. But it will add to that as you as you are obedient to do this part here. God will show you the next step and the next step and the next step. Okay, but you have to be obedient to do the first part. Okay. Um, when you, when you dig when you dig your ditches, you have to have that knowing 
that God has given you the vision of what, you know, I've, I've taught this before, you know, knowing what God has told you, the promise, you stand on that promise and you believe what God says. It doesn't matter. Like I started out with the message, it doesn't matter what you see going on at all. I bought 25 more chairs. I bought 25 more chairs because I know there's more people coming. That was before the word came from Nathan and from Daniel. They both said that. I bought those, those 25 chairs way last fall because I knew there was more people coming. It, but it, see, it doesn't matter. You see 25 more people here this morning? <laughs> no. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference. It's what God showed me and told me in the spirit realm. I need to be obedient to do that. Same with the next building, the building that's coming. Um, Still gaining understanding on that, but I'm willing to do whatever he tells me to do with it. So all I know to do right now is to step out and do what I I know to do. You know, I'm going to check on the land across the road. I mean, I have once already, but I just, when God tells you something, and you know it's from him. You don't sit there and wait for him to hand it to you on a silver platter. You be obedient to do what he's told you to do. Now, he's not going to give me, I mean, I, I believe in my heart what he showed me years ago. I believe that's the manifestation. I don't have all the details on how it's to happen. But God knows how it's supposed to happen. I just have to be willing and obedient to do what he says to do. Amen? And that, that's, it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. God gives you a vision. God tells you something that he wants done. Then it's your job to be obedient to do it. Amen? So some of you, sometimes I will, you know, I may approach you and say, Have, has this been on your heart to do? Or what do you think about doing this? You know, um, so so um, I, I don't know exactly if you, it doesn't click in your thinking. We'll find something else then. But it's important to start stepping out and doing, doing something that the Lord is prompting in your heart to do. If you don't have it in your heart, I would just take time to pray. Take time to pray, okay? Okay, so um, Noah was another good example. Noah was another good example of being obedient to do what God called him to do. And you know what? That was a big thing. And, you know, he was made fun of and laughed at when he started building that ark. His family was with him, and he built that ark. There had never been any rain before. Never been any rain. But he was obedient to go do it. So then the rain came. And so the the, the important part was that he already had his family in safety in a place of safety. But he was obedient to do that. He was obedient to do what God told him to do. It wasn't something you see every day. (laughs) It wasn't something that everybody could, oh, yeah, we better build our ark too. No, they made fun of him. Amen? They made fun of him. So Noah was a good example of that. All right? You know, when you go to dig your ditch, it's, it's not necessarily... Fun. It's not fun. It's not flattering. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to spend hours and hours in intercession. I'm just telling you from my own experience, you know. But but 
the Lord showed me that Dick and I were supposed to be married, but it took a long time and a lot of years of praying, you know, and for the manifestation of that. Now, I think the pace is going to be picked up. I think God's trying to get things ready for us all to bring the last hurrah in, the last group of people that have not been uh, made a choice, a decision. That's why there is so much in the word about discipleship. That's why this church is this church is going to have a training center to train people. There's a lot of the church world, and I'm talking about full gospel too, that don't know a lot of the things that you've been learning here. There's a lot of that. They don't know who they are in Christ. They know nothing about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit in some of the well-known full gospel churches aren't even, you don't see them. You don't see them. You don't hear about them, and people don't do them, you know? And that's why it's been so important for um, um, that this this training time, that this church is in a place of training, equipping you so that when we got new people that come in, you can disciple them. You you know what to say to them. You know how to bring them from a, a down and out position to a, a position of, of, of freedom and salvation and, and um, everything else, okay? Um, let's see. Digging the ditch means believing enough in a vision to act on it, even when there are no signs of certainty or success. Even when there's no signs of it actually coming to pass. You know, I could say that about today. Couldn't we? But that isn't, that isn't going to stop me from digging a ditch. That isn't going to stop me from interceding. Because God has called us to do that. And, and again, I'm going to tell you, I'm not moved by what I see because I already know what God has said, what he's promised. And he can promise it in the word or he can promise it by a prophet, Nathan, or uh, Daniel, or Richard coming. And that word of the Lord that comes forth is the word of the Lord. And that's the promise that you can stand on. You understand what I'm saying? It's a promise you can stand on. It doesn't make any difference. It, God's, God is still speaking today. God is still talking today, whether it's a promise in his word or whether he talks to you and says, go dig a ditch. Go dig a ditch. I mean, that's what he told me to do, was to go dig a ditch. So um, uh, digging ditches means you put in the hard work now to be ready for the opportunities that are yet to come rather than waiting for the sign or chasing a rainbow. Now, waiting for a sign, that's what we've been talking about, okay? Um, a, lot of times, a lot of times we want to try to figure it out, our mind figure it out, what's going on, what's not happening, blah, 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 and then pretty soon we're confessing the wrong things out of our mouth. Instead of, instead of confessing what, um, what God has said, amen? Amen. It's really, it's it's just important that we continue to um, uh, do what God's called us to do. We spend time doing that and praying and seeking the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, I want to just take a minute and and just you just talk to the Lord. We're going to talk to the Lord. Um, we're going to move into communion. And if you're going to take some time right now to talk to the Lord, 
Let's just do that. Make sure you're not in a a, a place of sin in taking communion because I don't want anybody receiving the communion unworthy in here. You know what I mean by unworthy? If you're in an area of sin, I would I would not take communion. I wouldn't do it until you can deal with it, okay? And the area of sin is unforgiveness. Sin is strife with somebody. Uh, even the place of needing to be healed. And you you need to resist the healing and let the healing that Jesus paid the price on the cross come. come. So part of that... Part of that resisting is is resisting that the um, sickness and disease. Jesus paid the price for that on the cross. So when we take communion, you you stand against sickness and disease. You don't accept it like it's yours. You stand against it. Amen. Okay. So so there's there's all kinds of um, areas where you know he Jesus paid the price for worry and care and anxiety and torment. All of that he paid the price for. And so if you're going to be in worry and care then you need to repent for that and move out of that. And I would encourage you to just judge yourself, judge yourself so that it doesn't come back on you. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you don't want you don't want to take communion if you're in sin. Don't do it. Sin, it can be a big thing. You could have murdered somebody last night and I don't know about it. <laughs> or it can be it can be something simple. Maybe you talked back to your mom and dad or maybe you were in strife with your your other half today. Whatever it is, deal with it right now before we take communion or don't take it. And nobody's, I'm not going to look at you funny if you don't take it either. So let's take this time to get before the Lord, judge yourself, repent for actions. Also talk to him about what have you got for me to dig a ditch for? What do you want me digging ditches for? What do you want me doing? What do you want me doing? Okay? So let's just take some time. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray this corporate prayer together. Father God, I ask you to forgive me for all sin. I receive forgiveness and cleansing right now in Jesus' name. Okay, so if you want to follow along with the communion in 1 Corinthians 11, you can turn there. And um, I'm going to start with verse 23. We'll read through this first. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. 
For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep or die. Okay? So it's really, it's not a, it's not a, a lighthearted thing to just take communion, drink some juice, and eat some bread. It's not a lighthearted thing. It's very important to God. It's a very serious situation to do that. Amen? Amen. So, um, Ryan, would you want to, you want to take the bread and Josh, you want to do the communion? Please. And pass that out for everybody to have. We just took some time for, to examine ourselves before we take communion. So if you guys want to go ahead and do that right now before you, we, we follow up with the communion, they're passing out the, the bread and the, and the, blood right now. So just take some time to ask the Lord to forgive you for any sin, anything um, wrong thinking, anything where you just judge yourself and just take time to repent for that. All three of you just sat down. <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah. So just take some time. Otherwise you reap damnation upon yourself. You don't want sickness and disease and dying. So if you're not in a place where you you're walking free from from sin, don't take communion. And it's not my place to judge you if you don't. <laughs> Absolutely. i got to stay out of that, too, you know. <laughs> anyway, I, while they're doing that, I just want to um, clarify something. Um, um, you don't lose your calling if you don't go do it. You know, you just lose the opportunity um, to step into a place of, moving forward and moving more, developing more your calling. You understand what I'm saying? You don't lose your calling. Your calling's with you until you're gone. And so, but if you don't step out and do something that God's telling you to do, you're going to stay stuck in that place. You may never step out. You, you may never do that. And sometimes, you know, stepping out is not fun. It, it's not fun. You know, you know me, when Richard left, it was not fun to come up here and stand and look at all of you. It was not fun. But it's gotten better. The more I've done it, it's gotten better, and it's easier. And I've grown and stretched. You'll always grow and stretch in whatever you step out to do. Always. Always grow and stretch. Okay, so you want to do, when we do this, you do it in remembrance of the price that he paid on the cross. You know, you do it that way. He, his body was unrecognizable. He was so beat up and so slashed. Unrecognizable, but he did it for each one of you. So we do this in remembrance of that. Okay, go ahead and take and eat. Um, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So eat of the bread first. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, just know you can take communion anytime you want to. It's, it doesn't have to be. You can take it every morning, whatever you want to do. It doesn't have to be contingent on what we do here, okay? I do, I, Dick and I have always done it as we felt prompted to do it, as we felt like the Holy Spirit wanted it done. And so, but you can do it every morning. Just always do it with a right heart, and do it in remembrance of the price he paid. Okay, because he paid a terrible price. But do it in remembrance of that. In remembrance of that. Resist the sickness and disease in your body. People will receive healing. You can receive your healing. You can receive all kinds of help. Just 
with communion. It's one of the ways you can receive your healing. Okay, so let's do this. Let's say, let's say this. Uh, com- make this confession, shall we? Father, I thank you for everything that Jesus provided through his death on the cross and his resurrection life. I am blessed. I am healed. I am redeemed. I am a child of God. I am the head and not the tail. I prosper in everything I put my hand to. I love you, Father. I love you, Son. Jesus, I love you. I love you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 Amen.